I love sharing the Word of God. The Word of God is my life. And when I say the Word of God, I mean the Word of God in the way the Word of God speaks about the Word of God. And uh, when, I, when I talk to growing leaders and, and uh, teach Bible, that's fundamentally what I do. I said, you know, the Bible is never an end in and of itself. You don't study the Bible for the sake of the Bible. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and said, you search the scriptures because you think in them that you have life. But he says, it's these that speak of me. And what he was telling us is that, one, the word of God is not an end. The Bible is not an end in and of itself. But it is the only and inspired, authorized window into the soul of God. So my love for the Word is the same as our love for God Himself. And if you want God to speak to you and hear His voice, get in His Word. Be in it. So I'm thankful I can share out of John chapter 1, and we want to read verse 35 to verse 51 this morning. And we won't talk about the whole thing, because I'm hearing the adjective briefly. No, it's good. John 1, verse 35. Again the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned around and saw them following and said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he found first his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The next day, Jesus purposed to go into Galilee, and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, of the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and said to him, behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So Lord, I pray that your word touches our hearts today in Jesus' name. When Jesus said, come and see, when we want to talk about that primarily this morning, but we ought to notice, first of all, that 
Several times when Jesus says, come and see, those who followed first went to get somebody else to come and see too. I don't want to talk a lot about that, but it's pretty evident that when Jesus calls us, one of the fundamental things that he gives us to do in that calling is to call others to come too. That's just written right in the text. I also want us to see that between the two phrases, come and see, come and see, in the middle of them are Jesus' words, follow me. So when Jesus says, come and see, it's an invitation to follow him. And that's what I want to spend most of my time on this morning. We can follow so many things. We can follow people, heroes. We can follow our own agenda, our own goals of life, our financial goals, our occupational goals. All of us follow broken habits and sinful things in our life. We follow a lot of things. And what is fundamentally true about human beings is that we are followers. Even those who lead are following something. We can follow, if perhaps people consider themselves religious, we can follow a morality, we can follow a religion itself, and many, many people have become followers of the principles of Christianity. But they're not following Jesus. And none of those things, following a morality, following a religion, following the principles of Christianity, none of those things is of advantage to you. They will all, I promise you, imprison you. Whereas Jesus said, I have come to set you free. So we will follow something. We can follow anything. But we ought to hear, and I pray we hear, the call of Jesus when he says, follow me. And so he says in verse 39, come and see. And then Philip says to Nathanael, when Nathanael quite cynically says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip says, come and see. And, and I want us to understand what's in those words. We are not, when we come to follow Jesus, when we truly come to see, we're not following a religion. We're not following a morality. We're not following a Christian pattern of life. We're not simply, secondly, joining a community. And so we're Christians because we join a community. We're not making a decision on which religion we're going to pursue. So we're going to go into the realm of the miraculous in just a moment. 
When Jesus says, come and see, it is not a call to investigate. Come and investigate for yourself. You have many options. Consider this one. So I want you to know, when Christianity is presented like an option, even a good option, even the very best option, that calling, that mentality is thoroughly immersed in secularism. The world will one day find out Jesus was not an option. There are no options. The option, I suppose, is life or death. God's favor or God's wrath. Eternity with God or eternity in the wrath of God. Jesus isn't one among many. And creation itself points us to the reality that every soul of man, woman, boy, and girl is the property of the living God. And by virtue of that, God is the only option. The living God, the living God of the Scriptures, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of the prophets, the God of the apostles, God of His church. There's no option. It's that or it's rejection. So when Jesus says, come and see, it's not come and investigate. It's literally, come and begin to see. Come and have your eyes open." That's what's behind those words, come and see. Come and begin to understand the living God. Come and begin to understand life. Come and begin to understand who God is in the midst of all your problems. And you look at the, the, the circumstances of the world. They have always been dire. I would say from the day that Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit in the garden, the condition of the world has been as dire that day as it is this day. So, so many people, how do I make sense of the world? How do I make sense of what's happening economically in the world? How do I make sense of what's happening socially in the world? How do I make sense of what's happening geopolitically in the world? And I would reiterate Jesus' words, Come and have your eyes opened. Come and see the world. Come and see your life. Come and see everything through Jesus. Come and allow Him to reveal to you truth. And it will anchor you and it will remove you from the storms of life and being tossed about by all kinds of influences in your life to be anchored in the person of Jesus Christ. Come and have your eyes opened. Come and begin to see. I would say in the authority of Jesus that the antithesis then is true. If you do not come, you will not see. You will sorrowfully, painfully stay in your blindness. Now you may be successful 
You may accomplish many things. You may be influential. You may have hundreds or thousands of followers on whatever social media platform you're on. But you'll remain in your blindness. And you will not see. John, the Gospel of John, I don't know, like, I, we're going through Jude Sunday nights. I'm teaching Jude, and Jude loves threes. John loves sevens. And there's seven sets of sevens. And one of the sets of seven is the I am statements of Jesus. And he says, I am the light of the world. I'm the one who shines light into people's hearts. I'm the one who enables them to see. Not the Bible, not teachings of Christianity, but me. I give you sight. And that sight anchors your whole life. Come and see. So encountering Christ is not a rational or logical decision. I've come to deduce that Christianity is the best option for me and my family. It's not that. It's not intuitive. But what happens is Jesus calls the voice of Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit who is here in this room and here among us and in the world Jesus calls individuals, and that call comes to the heart. And when that call comes to the heart, revelation happens in that moment. There's a miracle taking place. God is speaking to the heart. And with that call comes the way to follow. And comes the power to follow, the enabling to follow. He speaks, and people follow. I think about Peter and Andrew. Well, we can, we can classify with them, James and John. They were fishermen. So it is as if there were two sets of brothers working on your expansion here. Two sets of twins. And one day Jesus walks up and he calls to them, follow me. And off comes the tool belt and the hammers drop. And those expensive air-powered tools fall to the ground. And they climb down and they're never seen from again. That is exactly what the call of Jesus does in all of our lives. Leave what you are. Leave who you are. Leave what you're doing. You have a new mission in life. And I'm not talking about moving geographically. I am talking about the separation that comes into our heart when Jesus calls us. Matthew was a tax collector. He was an accountant, and I have a little bit of affinity for them. Because in a previous life, before I got a personality, I was one. And in the midst of that life, in the first Sunday of January, 1990, I heard the word of Jesus, you leave everything and you come follow me. And this is your life now. And in that moment, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I was saved when I was 11 years old. Some of you will remember David Wilkerson, right? You remember David? A few of you? I got saved at a David Wilkerson crusade. But when God called me of January 1990, 
the mind that was in me was gone and, and something new came to me. Why? Well, because he called, because he spoke. And Peter and Andrew and James and John and Matthew, they left and they began to follow. So, Brennan, did you get that picture of my friend? Is there a guy on your screen with a white hoodie on? There he is. So the first thing I need to say, this, this man in the white hoodie, and if you meet him, he'll hug you, and he'll hug you for about a minute until you get really uncomfortable. Best hugs in all the world. His family was for generations Muslim. And Jesus confronted him. And a result of promises that Jesus made to him when he called him to follow Jesus, I, I am not kidding you, millions of lives have come to Christ because of him. This story, I want to tell you this story. This happened this last March. No, I'm a little earlier than that. And he, and he told me this story. He says there was regional and civil conflict in the north of this country. And this imam, this imam was warned in a dream, you need to leave because your village will be burned. And he gathered his eldership and he says, I've been warned in a dream that we have to leave because our village will burn. And they said, who warned you? And he said, Jesus, so I'm not going. And the next night, the same dream. You need to leave. Your village is going to be burned. And he dug in his heels, and he says, I'm not going because it's Jesus talking to me. And the third night, same thing. By this time, his village clues in that there's trouble coming, and they all leave. And they go up into the hills, and he's alone in this village. And all of a sudden, this militant, terrible army comes. And as they come into the village, because one of the sources of income of his village was the sale of honey, and so they had honeybees, these soldiers were attacked by the bees. And they said, there's no way we're going in there. We're going to burn this village to the ground. And so they went all the outskirts and they lit everything on fire. The whole village burning up in smoke. And the village people are up in the hills. They're watching. They're hidden. And they see the village burn and they know he's in the middle of it. Their spiritual leader, their political leader, their mom is everything to them. Like I know Marlo is to you, right? Like he's everything. They wait a couple of days and they begin to wander down from the hills. The army leaves, and they wander down towards their burned-out village. And on the way down, who is sitting on the side of the hill? Him. And they said, we saw the village burn. How did you get out? And he said... He said, I was in my hut in the midst of the flames, and Jesus picked me up by my ear and set me on the side of the hill. And he says, I'm going to follow him. We're going to follow him. 
And I'm not just moved by that story, but there are thousands of stories and tens and hundreds and thousands and hundreds of thousands who are coming to Jesus and stories like that are multiplied. And before I go on, I want you with me to pray that God begins this in our nation. Because my pitiful plan for evangelism is not cutting it. And we need the power of the Spirit of God to awaken us. And maybe you're here this morning and you need the power of the Spirit of God to awaken you and get a hold of your life so that the fire of the Spirit of God begins to burn in you. It's what I pray for and long for in my life. So how does God call? I I don't know. He calls in so many ways. He calls through miracles. He calls through pressure points. He calls by His Word. He calls through our stories, our testimonies. He begins to call people. God is calling people, and He does call people, and they cannot come until He calls. But when He calls, they may come, and there is power in the calling to follow. It's not a rational, logical decision. It is the power of the call of God in a heart. Well, you ask me, well, what does that sound like? How do I hear His call? And I believe most of the time, God calls us through all kinds of red flags in our life. What do you mean by that, Eric? Maybe you begin to ask, there's got to be something more than what's going on in my life right now. There's something in your soul that longs and hungers for something more than you have. Maybe you struggle with guilt. You just can't deal with the guilt in your life. Maybe, maybe despair has come into your heart and your life. Maybe you're at the end of your rope and you can't cope anymore. And your circumstances are overwhelming you. Maybe you just... You're lost in hopelessness. Maybe you've even thought about suicide. Just to end the pain with which you live. Maybe you got kids off the rails. Your family's off the rails. Your marriage is off the rails. I don't know. But I believe that in the midst of that, you hear and can hear the voice of God calling you to Him to follow you, to to follow Him, for you to follow Him. I kind of like Nathaniel. He's like, to me, he's like a truth teller, right? Philip comes and says, look, we, we found the Messiah. And he goes, well, yeah, he's from Nazareth? Yes. Yeah, he's from Calgary. Well, can anything good come out of Calgary? Like honesty, right? Like there's, but there's cynicism. His experiences have left him, I think, pessimistic. Maybe he's fed up with Judaism. You can tell he's just got no patience for this. Disdain is in his voice. And you may be here this morning and you're 
you're listening, and you say, can anything good come out of my circumstances? Anything? Job loss? Divorce? Separation? Sickness? Financial pressures? Broken family? I know one of the things that plagues one of the things that plagues the church of which it's not even aware is being in the grip of mediocrity. I signed up for more than this. Is this all there is? This is dead. And I would have you hear through my words, through God's word this morning. Come and follow me. Make it your life mission to follow Jesus today. Maybe you've never followed Jesus. Maybe you have never heard the voice of God. Or maybe you never figured out that that pain and distress and anxiety was God speaking to you. And today you can follow him. That's his voice calling you. Or if you hear, can you, and you have followed Christ, you did make a prayer, you did, you do read your Bible, maybe you pray, but you think there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. The answer is always the same to the person that's lost in their sin and has not come to Jesus who died on the cross to pay for those sins. The answer is the same for that person as for those who are lost and locked in mediocrity and lukewarmness and a life that seems not to amount to very much at all. The answer is the same. Follow Jesus. Come to Him and follow Him. Ask Him to open your eyes. I would that God would so pour out His Spirit upon His church that we have a congregation full of preachers proclaiming Jesus in the workplace, on the job site, in the clinic, in the office, in the school, in the shopping plaza, wherever you go, that the church is full of, of preachers of Jesus who are full and anointed of the Holy Spirit of God. Because that's your calling. Your calling is to live a life to proclaim Christ. To let His life by the power of the Holy Spirit just flow out of you like a river of living water so that your neighbors that are dying, that are in despair, whose lives are a mess, can look at you and go, what is different about you? Now you can go home and intend to do that and by 4 o'clock today, that intention will be dead. But what you cannot do is quench the power of the Holy Spirit of God that God pours out into the lives and hearts of His children. So as I close, would you bow with me? You know, there, you need to have faith when you hear the call of God. When he calls to you, follow me. You have to have faith. You have to believe that it is him speaking to you.
You have to believe that he offers you life and forgiveness and hope. You have to believe that voice that's in your heart. Do not let the devil take that voice away from you. Do not let him quench it. Do not let him kill it because he is trying everything possible to do that. Do you hear his voice this morning? Maybe you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. You do that today and say, I will follow you. Maybe you're here and you'd have to say, I'm living a mediocre life. And I invite you too to come and follow Jesus and be filled with the Spirit of God again. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that for someone who's wrestling with the future of their life, maybe, maybe the future of today, and they need Jesus, and they hear their heart beating within them, I need Jesus. We would hear the call and surrender and say those words, I surrender. And that your spirit would make all the difference in every life, every life, in Jesus' name, amen. There's a QR code on your screen. If you scan it, We'll bring you to the same I'm new card that's in the chair pocket in front of you here. If you surrendered your life today, Eaglemont wants to hear and walk with you. If you're here in person and you prayed that prayer and you need to follow Jesus and give your life to him, in the chair in front of you, there's an I'm new card. And put it in the slot at the welcome kiosk by the gym exit doors on your way out this morning. As I close, I just want you always to be mindful of how near Jesus is to you. He is the single note of the call of a heart that longs for him.